The Jet Set Breakfast. Music, culture, lively and critical discussions on SAFM. So over the last year and a half, we've definitely looked at um, many, many challenges owing to the pandemic. And the author, Jessica Arbach, who is has a PhD in social anthropology, she received that from Stanford University in the States. She previously interned at the United Nations High Commission for Refugees in Nampula, Mozambique. And now she's come back with a new book called Archive of Kindness, Stories of Everyday Heroism During the South African Lockdown. And uh, as she was working on this project, we in fact broadcast some of those stories, those audio stories here on the show. And finally, it's become a very beautiful book. We've got her on the line, Dr. Arbach. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Michelle. Thanks very much for having me on the show. So the book, which became a book uh, a couple of months ago, really documents some fantastic stories of people doing quite extraordinary things around the country. Talk to us about that. Yeah, thanks. Um, We basically, over the last almost two years now, we collected, um, me and my students, um, about 2,000 acts of kind of everyday heroism. So the little things that people were doing during very difficult times to hold one another through. And we're very fortunate to to get a grant to be able to turn it into a book and put out a call for an illustrator. So it's now being illustrated by Jethro Longway, who's a recent fine art graduate from the Ruth Pross School of Fine Art in Cape Town. And he's done a remarkable job of of bringing life to some of these stories. Um, and, And there are now 50 stories in this beautiful coffee table book that I think really remind us who we are as a country and, and the ways in which uh, we can draw on, on each other to, to support each other and to build something really uh, powerful in terms of citizenship. So talk to us about some of the stories that came out uh, in the, the research and the conversations with people all around the country. Sure. So, I mean, there, there are, as I say, 2,000 stories in the archive itself, and we're hoping that once people start reading the book, there's a section where they can write down their own stories and send them in through the website so that we can expand this project um, as well. But uh, at the moment, as I said, 50 were chosen to be put in the book. And uh, each of those 50, I think, is really important and, and, and says something powerful. But I'll give just a, a couple of examples. There was a, a student in, in Potchef's room who had to leave their student residence very quickly or the place that they were living. Um, and she'd set up a garden uh, just outside. And she was really worried because when she left suddenly she she thought she would come back and find just in her words dry twigs and when she got back after the, the initial stages of lockdown she found that somebody had cared for the plants and that the garden had flourished in, in her absence and had grown into something even, even more beautiful than she, what she'd left um, and uh, there's another story of a, a baker in Brit, a uh, small town you mentioned small town South Africa earlier and, and what's been stunning is just seeing how small towns have also appeared in the book and uh, this, this baker made birthday cakes for people who had lost their jobs um, and, and weren't able to afford the kind of luxuries for celebration. And, and she made about 25 birthday cakes over the course of the lockdown. Um, and yeah, I mean, so many, there, there are stories of teachers um, helping uh, kids in their communities, their neighbors, children, fa- um, friends and families. Uh, there are stories of schools and institutions and the ways in which they opened, opened themselves up and changed their whole project uh, in order to be able to really support their communities. And then just people, you know, paying for groceries, paying the electricity bill for, for a neighbor, letting people live in their homes. Um, and it, it's really incredible that the many different levels of 
kindness that has completely transformed the way each of the people affected experienced the lockdown um, and this period of massive change over the last 18 months. You know, Jess, one of the uh, real highlights of the book is that it does talk to the idea of, as you've, you've noted um, in, your, in your press release as well, the idea of the micro-kindness. So often yeah. we, we feel absolutely overwhelmed. And then we look at a story of, of someone who gave his Wi-Fi password to his neighborhood so that everybody could get online, engage, etc. And I'm like... That is just like it's it's such a it's such a clever idea, but it's not even something that you would think of. Like you'd be thinking, well, do I have to buy groceries for someone, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. But that in itself shifts and changes the narrative for so many people. Yeah, totally. So, what do you think that is about? At which point does someone just almost pivot and say, "Hey, this is what I'm going to do"? And did people talk about how they made decisions, how they got to where they got to? Yeah, well, I, I was chatting about that with, with my neighbor recently because this whole book came about because I and my husband uh, lost our place to stay and we were in a frantic position at the beginning of lockdown. We were, weren't able to live where we were supposed to be living. Uh, and the neighbor actually let us spend lockdown in her house. And at that point, she didn't she didn't even know us. She, she didn't know our last names. And wow. she just opened her, her house and said, well, she was spending lockdown at her brother's. The house was going to be empty. We could just move in there. And we moved in with about... Uh, 12 hours notice, which is quite dramatic. And, and so the other day I took the book to her to, to show her kind of what that act had opened up because for me it completely then changed my experience going into lockdown, which had moved from absolute panic into into something a bit more reflective and conscious. And I took it to this this individual and she, she just looked at me and she said, but yes, you're a human. And I could see that you needed something and you're in a state of crisis and the only response was to respond as a human and in this case to give you the keys of my house, which I still think was quite an unusual action and, and quite remarkable um, but there is something there about just being able to recognize that people are people because of other people and a lot of us are actually feeling the same thing that desire to communicate uh, in the case of Wi-Fi the desire to connect to the people we love to to have our basic needs uh, taken care of whether they be through electricity or through food or, or, or through education and I think you know millions and millions of people around the country saw that and they did that but but it falls out of the headlines because it's almost too much the every day for the grand narrative but without that every day we would hmm. be in a state of much deeper crisis much greater hunger much greater uh, social anxiety and so i think it's really worth kind of pausing for a moment and recognizing how these tiny micro kindnesses are the things that actually determine you know do you go to bed happy and or, or hungry or, or distressed or, or feel cared for um, and in that sense, each one of us in South Africa has a huge amount of power uh, in terms of, you know, do we choose to see each other as human? Um, and mm. when we do, the results of that can be quite transformative. You know, it's, it does make me think about the concept of influencers and thought leaders. And I'm quite averse to those concepts because I think that they are, I am an influencer and therefore, but here we are having people who in the very nature of what they're doing, the smallness of what they're doing, are having massive and real impact. Yeah. That must be very moving for you as well. It has. I mean, for me, it's been a really kind of personally transformative project yeah. because I, I'd been away from South Africa for 10 years and came back just a couple of months before the lockdown hit. Um, yeah. And I think in terms of finding finding my own feet back in the country after such a long period abroad and and just 
being so conscious of, of what a remarkable country it is. And I was working on this project with a group of students at Northwest University around the time where there was a lot of kind of uh, political complexity in the Northwest. There were a lot of negative things going on on, on, on farms and so on. And seeing the, the impact that this project had on the students, because we did some work around, you know, being ethical, how do you interview people, how do you uh, learn how to tell stories um, as part of your undergrad training. But these students then had to go out and they had to find find stories and they had to find stories that weren't from their own communities. Yeah. And the way that, that, that they also responded in terms of this project transforming, it didn't, didn't just transform me, but it, it changed their own perspective of citizenship. And several of them said, you know, I'm, I'm not planning to immigrate anymore. I've really come to see South Africa in a different way. Um, and it made me so conscious of our responsibility uh, as academics, certainly, but I think more broadly of what we focus on and what we help other people focus on has such a tremendous influence on what they then go on and, and do with their lives and, and where, they, where they ground their lives as well. And in South Africa, there are challenges, but there's so much richness, so many kind of everyday heroes. And yeah. the book highlights as well the community action networks, which sprung up all around the country. And I think the work of those organizations which really took place on a kind of what, what they most of them describe as a, a feminist organizational principles of flat hierarchies really grounded in the communities this was democracy in action and this was people taking this idea of care and, and, and placing resources where they were needed um, supporting one another in terms of uh, respect in terms of learning to communicate in terms of uh, working as as effective teams and just seeing how we could do that as a country when we needed to really changed my own perspective completely. And I, and I think if for, for anyone who reads the book, I'm hoping that it might also uh, change change some of the sort of negative narrative as well, because there really is this rich side to South Africa that, that I think determines the everyday yeah. far more than we give it credit for. You know, I mentioned the word thought leader. I'm not sure if you're aware, but uh, the BBC have taken up a kindness project as well. So it seems to me that you are definitely ahead of the curve with this one. Yeah, you know, I hope so. I guess the pandemic has really um, highlighted the need to to shape narrative, and I think that's also media responsibility. And this show has been such a such an incredible support for this project as well, in terms of saying, well, so we need to report on 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 some of the difficult things. Uh, if we only do that, there's this quite a serious mental health component that comes from that. So, how do we help people? Uh, see what else is going on and, and mm. how do we cover those stories and I think that BBC project you refer to is an important one and, and I know uh, this project has been picked up in Canada there's now a, a Canadian university that wants to do the same project wow. uh, as us um, with, the, with their students to lead to a kind of book as well and I think there's a lot of international interest um, in these stories because we can see that when you, when you do only focus on the negative you, you start really kind of um, shaping people's psyches in, in ways mm. that might not be productive. And of course, you mentioned influencers and you mentioned social media and all of that. And clickbait tends to focus much more on things that are dramatic and that really hit the sort of either the fear reflex or the anger reflex. And then you forward it on WhatsApp to all your friends and just like, oh my gosh, this is yeah. terrible. Um, but when we when we focus on these um, the, the, the positive aspects of society, the amplifying effect is, is equally significant. And I think it's critical um, that we we do that uh, at a global level. And to the BBC as well, uh, you know, the Global North tends to cover South Africa in a, in a very, uh, an often one-sided way. Absolutely. And I'm glad to see the BBC shifting a little bit. Um, but but we, the, the Global North loves to celebrate the kind of 
uh, intensity of African struggles and so on, and very rarely actually tell stories about uh, everyday happiness and beauty. And my, my previous work was all about beauty and everyday success and, and, and love and uh, fashion and uh, perfume in Angola. And it's just amazing to me how, how unfrequently these stories are actually told, but how important they are for, for this project, broader project of just recognizing each other's humanity uh, and working with that because it brings out the best of us. I support you 110% in terms of what you've said. As you know, the tagline for a Sunday morning is small stories, big ideas, massive inspiration. And we do believe in stories that unite and delight. Jess, in closing, if people do want to find the book either online or get themselves a hard copy, how do they do that? Sure, thanks. So it's it's literally being printed as we speak, and it will be on on the shelves of all major bookstores within a couple of weeks. for now, you, there are uh, some copies available, and you can order them by emailing bkpublishing.co.za. I'm sorry, sales at bkpublishing, my bad. Sales yeah. at bkpublishing.co.za. Or if you just Google Jess Auerbach, you can easily find my email address online, and I can sort you out there. Um, but otherwise, major bookstores are just in the process of um, getting getting stocks onto the shelves, Um And uh, we would love it if the public uh, can write down their stories. And we'd like the book to become a a sort of object or a record of this time. And and there's a space to write down stories and submit them to the website so that we can also really expand um, our sense of uh, positive things in South Africa, positive ways in which we help one another. And we hope that this will grow into a much bigger uh, project around citizenship and and all the best of South Africa going forward. So so thanks to, to you and Torsh and all the others for the support and uh, and to the listeners for just engaging because a lot of times we've we really relied on the public to send us some of their stories yeah. to work with our students and the response has been absolutely remarkable. So thank Great. you. Dr. Jess Arbach, author and lecturer at the Department of Anthropology, Northwest University, and she is the editor of a book called Archive of Kindness. You'll be able to see it in the stores over the next couple of weeks. And Dr. Phil Mahuma from Midstream, one of our favorite listeners, uh, sends us a quote saying from John Watson saying, be kind, everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. And kindness is, of course, something really critical to the way we engage in the world. It's 8.52. We go-